So we started talking a couple weeks ago about taking our relationships, different relationships that we have in our lives to the next level, next level relationships. And talking about, you know, any kind of relationships that we're dealing with. Maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a uh, connection with a coworker, maybe it's a, you know, a parent's relationship with their kids, kids' relationship with their parents, sibling relationships, dating relationships, marriages, whatever kind of relationship you find yourself in that, that could be improved, that could be doing some things different or maybe a little bit better. We're taking those things to the next level. Not necessarily that we need a major overhaul in that particular relationship, although maybe we do. Maybe just tweak some things a little bit, do some things a little more differently, uh, and do some, some, some things the way that, that God uh, designed for them to be. Therefore, we can take those relationships and those connections to the next level. That's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And, and I'm glad you're here this morning to talk about another one of these relationships that we can go next level with. Now, before we really get into it this morning, I want to remind you of the, of the old, and I, I use that term loosely, the old uh, video game Donkey Kong. Did anybody grow up playing Donkey Kong? Anybody played it recently? A couple of you. Okay, good. Well, um, the, whole, the whole premise of Donkey Kong, it, it came out in 1981, if, the, if you want to feel uh, old like me, but it, it, the whole premise of it was there's this giant monkey uh, that kidnaps a girl, and there's this plumber guy that's going to rescue her. And in the process of trying to go up all these different platforms and ladders to rescue the girl, this giant monkey is throwing barrels down at uh, the, the plumber guy. And you want to hurdle over those things and not get hit by the barrel. And some of those barrels end up turning on fire and, and chasing you around. And, and, and then the, the, the bad thing is, even if you get all the way up to the top to rescue the girl, you know what happens? The giant monkey grabs her and goes on to the next level. And you got to go to the next level now. That's, that's the whole premise behind Donkey Kong. How many of you had this game at home? Anybody raise your hand? How many of you had that? How many of you shelled out who knows how many quarters playing in the arcade? A few of you did. Okay, all right. In that game, you know, you got, you got this plumber, you, you know, Mario, that is constantly trying to move forward. And one after one, all these hurdles keep coming after him. And he's got to jump over him. He's got to try to get past him. Or he's got to try to duck down a ladder and, and let him go by. And if he, you know, again, if he gets to the top, well, we're going to keep going. Donkey Kong doesn't quit. He keeps throwing more obstacles. And he takes the, the girl away and goes on to the next level. And the reason that I share that with you this morning, the reason I remind you of that game, is because I think it actually makes a pretty good analogy for what it feels like sometimes in our connections with our families, in our family connections. That we have these obstacles to overcome, we have these obstacles to hurdle, and we have these issues that we have to deal with. And sometimes we deal with those things, and we deal with them very well. But as soon as we get past one particular obstacle, it seems like there's another one rolling right at us. And we get past uh, one barrel or maybe two or three barrels, and then all of a sudden there's a barrel on fire that's chasing us from behind. And we, we constantly seem to be struggling to get beyond whatever the new struggle is, the new obstacle, the new challenges that's coming along. So this morning, we want to talk about next-level families. How do we take our family uh, to the next level? And whether it's parents dealing with kids, kids dealing with parents, siblings dealing with each other, what can we do, or at least what can I do, to help take my family or, or this particular relationship within my family to the next level? That's what we want to talk about today. I remember, I, I kind of want to preface this a little bit more. Uh, over the years here at Flagstone, I've been a part of 
uh, different connection groups. And if you haven't gotten into our connection groups, I challenge you to do that. They're awesome places to make friendships and to, and to grow in your own faith and to help other people grow in theirs. Uh, there was a time years ago in the connection group that, that Christy and I were in where we were talking about families a little bit. And, and honestly, some of the, the folks that were in that group were having some different family struggles, whether it was marriage or dealing with uh, even, you know, a, as adults, dealing with their parents and different uh, dynamics as far as that go or struggles with their kids. And it was almost as if some, of the, some folks didn't want to share those things. They didn't want to talk about, here's the struggles that's going on with my marriage. Here's the struggle that's going on with my family. I don't know what to do about this situation with my kids. They didn't want to talk about that. Why? Because when we're at church, we're supposed to have our act together, right? We're supposed to have all the answers and everybody's supposed, I mean, we're Christians, right? So everybody's got everything figured out. And I don't want you to think less of me for having uh, some kind of issue going on with my family when I'm supposed to be a Christian person and have a great family. And so one of the things that, that I shared uh, with that group, and I want to share with you this morning, and I continue to share this with lots of people, is this fact. Everybody ready? You can write this down. You can quote me if you want to. I want copyright credit if, if you use it somewhere else. I'm just kidding. We all have jacked up families, okay? <laughs> we all do in some form or fashion. Now, the way that mine is jacked up may be different than the way yours is jacked up, and the levels of jacked upness may be different but we've all got issues all of our families do there are no perfect families there are really good and really strong families there are families that are improving there are families that you scratch your head and wonder I don't know if they're going to survive there's all sorts of different families but we've all got issues I, I want to share that with you this morning because as I share the things that, that I share with you about taking our families to the next level, sometimes we can get down on ourselves and go, well, I, I can't ever get my family there. Or my family's got all sorts of issues that you didn't even talk about this morning, Marshall. And that might be true. But we can get so bogged down comparing ourselves and comparing our families to other people that we don't even make any effort to do anything with the families and the connections that we got. Does that make sense? Let's not do that today. Let's all be on the same page. We can all, myself included, my family included, we can all take our families wherever they are right now to the next level. Okay? So let's work on that together. Let's, let's talk about that together. I mean, I can, even, I can even share with you, you know, examples from Scripture. I mean, Adam and Eve had the first family that we know of, right? Go back to the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, man and wife, had two boys, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. That's not a good family dynamic. You read, you know, a few chapters later, you read about Noah. You know Noah, the guy that built the big boat and all the animals came on? Noah also had a problem getting drunk and embarrassing his family. David, oh, King David, the man after God's own heart, wrote all those Psalms, did all those wonderful things. You ever read about David's kids? One son, uh, well, well, raped his uh, half-sister, and her full brother ended up killing that son and then tried to take over David's own kingdom. Imagine that family reunion. Even Jesus, his earthly parents here on this earth, when he was a kid, lost him. Not for a few hours, days, 
had no idea where he was. Can you imagine the panic for Joseph and Mary? We, we were given the son of God and we lost him. Like, like, how bad is that? And then later on when he was doing his ministry as an adult, his family showed up one time when he was surrounded by people and he was, <clears throat> excuse me, performing miracles and preaching and teaching. His family showed up to physically take him away because they thought he was crazy. They wanted to have him committed. We've all got family issues, okay? Even people in Scripture did. So the point is, even the best families, even the ones that we would say, well, that's a perfect family, and, and, and it may look like it on the outside. Everybody's got things that they could do better. Everybody's got things that they could improve on. So let's work on that together today. Now, let's talk for a second about the things that cause problems, the things that we struggle with. From a, let's go from a parent's perspective first. When parents, you know, dealing with, with their kids, no matter what age the kids are, but probably leaning towards elementary, not into teenager age issues, they get frustrated. They worry about the kids. They get, they get uh, you know, have conflicts with them for a variety of different reasons. And those can be anything from, uh, I've asked this child of mine to do something several times, and it still hasn't happened yet. Um, talking back. Anybody have that in their families? No? Just a couple of you? Okay. Talking back. Not obeying the rules. Here's the rules. Here's why it is a rule. And then still not doing it. Uh, sibling arguments. Nobody has to do that with multiple kids, right? Kids always get along, never have any issues. Okay. Well, maybe have a few issues there. Just even, even parents deal with just a, a, a lack of appreciation. Look at what I'm doing for you. Look at what I'm providing for you. Look how much I care about you. And yet you come across like you just don't care. Like you almost hate me for going out of my way to do whatever it is that I can do for you. Just not wanting to spend time together. How many parents get frustrated with that? You used to like me. You used to want to spend time with me. You used to call my name and have me come play with you. But now... That's just a few of the frustrations that parents deal with. What about kids? I mean, you could, you could go on the internets and find all sorts of different things the kids have an issue with with their parents, right? I didn't want to do that. So I went and talked to our youth group, our Flagstone teens. Went there, went and met with them last Sunday night and let them just tell me all sorts of different things that they struggle with within their families. I can see some parents' eyes in this room right now going, oh, what'd they say? <clears throat> there will be no names mentioned. Uh, to be honest with you, they shared some really good stuff. Uh, you have a lot to be proud of with your teenagers. And as adults, we can recognize it is not easy being a teenager. And maybe sometimes we forget that. Maybe for some of us, it's been so long since we were a teenager, we've forgotten how hard it was. Well, this is one of the most difficult times in their lives, and they're, our group of kids are doing a great job managing it, and I'm really proud of them, having said that. There's some things they're struggling with, and, and I'm not going to give you the whole list today because don't, uh, it, it wouldn't uh, be beneficial to do so, but Brandon and I are talking about how to... Um, I don't know, make, this, make the list of things that they talked about available to you parents, uh, I don't know, as a video or, or we're going to, I don't know how we're going to distribute it to you so that you can know some of the things that our kids are struggling with. However, 
talking to our flagstone teams last Sunday, and then they said one of the things that frustrates them about their parents is parents not admitting when they're wrong. When they, when they point out a mistake or when they point out when they got something wrong and parents will continue, we think it's just the kids, but it's the parents who continue to dig in and go, no, I'm right. I, I, I don't care what proof you have in front of me. That's, that's right. Parents who overreact or make things a bigger deal than they actually are. And we all have different levels of this, right? The things that, that we think are important and somebody else doesn't think is as important, but we're going to make sure that they eventually figure out how important it is overreacting to things that aren't a big deal, making, uh, you know, even chores and things like that a bigger deal than maybe they should be. No, no conversation, no explanation of why we're doing things a certain way. We just rely on, well, because I'm the parent and I said so. And that, that's the way it is. Now that works when kids are younger. When you got, you know, toddlers, preschoolers, and you say, because mommy says so, his daddy says so, that works. Teenagers want to be a part of the conversation. Why are we doing things this way? What are we trying to accomplish? Why does it matter? And when they don't get that, it's frustrating. When they don't get support, when they don't get pats on the back, when they don't get told, you're doing a good job. I know that's hard. I'm proud of you. When they feel like it's mostly criticism that they get instead of compliments. When they get compared to their siblings. You know, you should be more like... I wish you were more like, why can't you be like? Parents who don't give their kids freedom to make mistakes. Now I confess, that's hard as a parent. You can see the trouble coming. You can see the problem down the road, and yet you want to let them figure it out. That's hard to do. But that's something that they want. That's something that they struggle with not being able to have is the ability to make their own mistakes. Maybe the biggest one that God talked about quite a bit was parents who assume that they know exactly what it's like to be a teenager nowadays in 2020. I know what it's like to be a teen. I know exactly what you're going through. No, you don't. There's some frustration there. And it causes tension. It causes problems within our families. And we can even talk about, uh, you know, siblings, whether they're, whether they're kids, you know, little kids, whether they're teenagers, whether some of us as adults have these constant conflicts with our siblings. There's arguing, there's criticism, there's jealousy, there's other people who compare us to each other, and that's frustrating. Uh, there's anger, we hold grudges. Again, there's lots of different issues that can cause conflict, that can cause tension, that can cause resentment within our families. And can keep our family connections from, from growing, from improving, maybe even uh, tear families apart. So how do we keep from that happening? How do, we, how do we make those family connections better? How do we improve on those things? I'm going to give you some action steps this morning. I'm going to go through them as fast as I can. So have your pens ready for your notes on the back of the bulletin or have your thumb ready to tap them into your phone, Okay. But here's some things that we can all do on a regular basis to improve our family relationships, no matter what dynamic needs some, some improvement. First thing that I got to do, if I want things to be better, some things I got to stop doing. First of all, I got to stop reacting. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, the first thing that I would need to do is stop overreacting. And that's true. But I want to challenge you this morning to stop immediately reacting. Sir Isaac Newton hundreds of years ago, in his laws of thermodynamics said, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And that is a great principle when it comes to describing thermodynamics. 
but it tends to cause a lot of problems in families. And what I mean is you do something that I don't like, that I disagree with, or that's, that's hurtful to me in some way, and I immediately react. I retaliate. I yell. I ignore. I react in, in, in some form or fashion. And instead of stopping for a second, instead of taking a breath and looking at things from your perspective and what it is you're trying to say or, or what, why it is that you took that action, I just immediately react. That causes problems in our families. And we need to stop doing it. We need to take a breath sometimes, be still for a second. Figure out where that person is coming from. What's their perspective? What is it that they're trying to say? The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, in verse 17, he says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. And then in verse 19, he says, don't take revenge. Don't try to get even. Don't sit there and say, well, you said this, so I'm going to say this. You did this, so I'm going to do this. Anytime we try to get even, do we ever get even? No. You do something to me, I'm going to do something worse to you, which causes you to do something worse to me, which causes me to do something worse to you. And it just keeps cycling and getting worse. Paul says, nip it in the bud. Don't even do that. Don't, don't react. Don't retaliate. Be still. Get a better perspective. You want to help take your family to the next level? Stop immediately reacting. Stop bullying. Bullying is defined as intentionally harming or intimidating someone who is perceived as vulnerable. Someone weaker, someone smaller than me that I can intimidate and make them feel worse about themselves, most often so that I can feel good about myself. And you know how big an issue bullying is in our, in our schools, on our sports teams nowadays. Bullying is bad enough in our schools and our communities, but it can also be a problem in our families. One sibling can bully another sibling. Kids who talk back to or ignore their parents. That's actually can be a very bullying type thing. I'm hurting you. I'm intentionally hurting you. Parents can bully their kids, scream at them, yell at them, intimidate them because they're weaker and I'm the adult. It can cause a lot of problems in our families. And, and not always, but most often at the heart of bullying is usually a lack of self-esteem. I, or, or just an unhealthy desire for power, for control. It's selfish. It's hurtful. It's ungodly. I want so bad to feel good about myself or at least make you feel and look less than me that I'll say anything or do anything to make that happen. It's an awful attitude to have in our families, and yet a lot of us struggle with it. It pervades through a lot of our families in different, in, in different ways. Instead, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear love, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. I love the fact that Paul says, clothe yourselves with this. Clothe yourselves with patience. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Cover yourself up in it. Let it be what you are identified by. What a great attitude to have within our families. 
That even if we have struggles outside the home, within the home, within with parents between kids, kids and parents, siblings, all those different relationships, we are constantly compassionate with each other and being kind to each other. That identifies us. That, that marks us and what our family is all about. We need to stop bullying. We need to stop, or I need to stop assuming that I know more than you. I mean, let's be honest, parents often tend to assume that they know more than their kids. And sometimes that's true. Parents often understand more about finances, about certain life experiences, about healthy choices to make. But often, parents aren't nearly as aware or as in tune as they think they are. And I can acknowledge that being a teenager in 2020 is a lot different than being a teenager when I was a teenager. And it's arrogant and it's insensitive of me to assume that I know exactly what my kids are going through because I don't. Kids often assume that parents in general are just clueless. Is that accurate? Is that, y'all don't want to say it because they're in the room. Okay. Kids often assume that about their parents. They just don't know. They don't know what it's like to be a teen today, or they've forgotten what it's like to be a teen today. They don't know about the different struggles. They don't, they don't even understand technology, so they don't even understand all the different temptations and stuff that come just from, that, just from that area. And the way friendships work, and the way school is nowadays, and the way our, our community is, and, and even having to figure out their own identity, and their own beliefs, and their own, their own faith choices, and their own political choices as teenagers. It's hard. While they shouldn't assume that parents don't know anything, parents shouldn't assume that they know everything. But kids become convinced that parents don't understand, and parents are convinced the kids won't listen, and neither is accurate. Here's what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Solomon says, if all you want to do is win an argument and prove that you're right and prove that that other person doesn't know as much as you or at least can't win the argument as good as you can, you're an idiot. His words, not mine. You're a fool if all you want to do is win the fight. If all you want to do is prove your point. If you want nothing to do with understanding where that other person is coming from, hearing their perspective, trying to find some kind of solution to that conflict. If all you want to do is just win at all costs, you're a fool. So, parents, you want to act like an idiot? Keep not listening to your child. Keep not trying to understand where it is that they're coming from, what they're dealing with right now. Kids, you want to you be an idiot? Just keep assuming that your parents are clueless. Keep not listening to their wisdom and the life experiences that they've been through. Or, if we want to take our families to the next level, maybe we stop assuming that we know everything. Maybe we start listening and find out where the other person is coming from. We also need to stop withholding grace. We need to stop withholding grace. Whether it's out of anger or frustration or just wanting to retaliate and get even, we can often be guilty of withholding grace from those who need to experience it, especially our family members. Now, I understand that grace, 
if you don't go to church a lot, grace may seem like an odd word. It's kind of a churchy word. But grace simply means that I'm doing something good for you. I'm doing something good to you, whether you deserve it or not. There's a little bit of difference between grace and mercy. You see, mercy means that you deserve punishment. You deserve some kind of consequences for a choice that you made. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep from inflicting that punishment. I'm going to watch slate clean, and you don't have to deal with that punishment or that consequence anymore. That's mercy. Grace takes it a step further. Not only am I going to not you know, uh, punish you for whatever it is you did wrong or not retaliate, I'm actually going to do something to bless you. I'm going to try to make your life better. I'm going to try to do something for you whether you deserve it or not. And too many of us within our families, whether it's parents towards their kids, kids towards their parents, siblings towards each other, we're guilty of withholding that grace. We don't do good stuff for each other. Now, I'm not saying that, that there shouldn't be consequences for dumb choices. I am saying that we can sometimes be guilty of only focusing on the punishment of only focusing on holding on that grudge because we're right, of only focusing on who deserves for us to treat them in a certain way. And, and sometimes I won't forgive and I won't let go of whatever it is you've done, even if you've asked me to, because I think you haven't done enough to make up for it. You haven't been sorry enough. You haven't paid enough consequences. Solomon, again, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 says, Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. We have the power, we have the ability to forgive and to let go and actually do good stuff for other people, especially the people in our families. And when he says, don't withhold good stuff from the people that is due, I, I want you to understand that, that as I'm looking at this verse, we're not looking at somebody that, that is due good stuff happening to them because they deserve it but rather I'm giving grace, I'm doing good stuff for somebody else because they need it. You understand the difference? Stop withholding grace. Okay, these are some of the things we need to stop doing. What do you need to start doing? What are some actions I need to start taking? First thing, I need to start spending time. I need to start spending time together, doing stuff together, eating a meal together, working on a project together, playing a game together, hanging out together, spend time with each other as a family. It's interesting, some of our teens said that the times in their lives they felt most loved by their parents was when their parents spent time with them. And it was any number of things. It was doing stuff together at the house. It was going to get ice cream. It was just even, even taking an interest in what was fun for their kids, even though the kids knew this isn't very fun for my parents. They felt the most loved in those moments where they spent time together. To all the kids in the room, teenagers and younger, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, okay? Everybody listening? Your parents actually enjoy spending time with you. They may grumble about it. They may act like they don't. They love it. They love spending time with you. Siblings, one of the best ways to, to deal with tension and conflict and get past some of those things, hang out with each other. Spend time together. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let's, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, how we may encourage each other to do good things, not giving up 
meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, he wrote this in the context of talking to, to a church, to Christians, to a church family, and basically saying, you guys need to continue to spend time together. Can I be a Christian on my own without a church family? I guess technically you can, but the author of Hebrews says you need time together. Because it encourages you, it lifts you up, it helps you go out and do more good things. And you can help uh, someone else along that path as well. But I think the principle can apply not just to our church families, but to our physical families as well. And the more time that we spend together, the more time that we, that we hang out together, we encourage each other, we empower each other to walk outside the doors of the house and keep doing the good stuff for other people that we've experienced together. Does that make sense? Start spending time with each other. Number two, start communicating. For some of us, communication means I talk, you listen. For some of us, communication means you talk and I don't listen. I'm just waiting until you're done so I can go do something else. Our relationship, if our relationship is going to improve, this connection is going to improve, you and I need to learn to communicate. I'm not just going to talk at you. I'm just going to try to, to prove my point or to, to make sure that I win this argument. I'm actually going to share what's on my heart, and I'm going to listen to what's on yours. I'm going to know that there is freedom to express my opinions and a willingness to listen to understand what your opinions are as well. In James chapter 1, James tells us this. Brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. First thing you need to do is listen. First key to communication in, in this family dynamic, making this family relationship better, you need to listen. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. If I listen first, if I wait before I try to express my opinion, if I can keep my emotions in check, I'm going to be much better at sharing this life with you instead of tolerating this life with you. You want to help take your family to the next level? Start communicating. One more thing to start. Start, we've already kind of hinted at it, but start giving grace. Stop withholding it. Start giving it. Which is really simple to say. It's not so simple to actually do. To give grace to my parents, to give grace to my kids, to give grace to my siblings, especially when I think that they don't deserve it. That's hard. It's not very easy to do. But here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 31. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, some of us get that principle kind of mixed up, and we think it's, it's due to others what they did to you. And so that gives us freedom to retaliate, to take revenge, to get even to yell back, to fight back, to ignore. That's not what Jesus said. Some of us read it, do to others what they actually deserve. That's not what he said either. Do to others what you wish they would do for you, even if they don't. Even if they never do all the good stuff for you that you do for them, that's irrelevant. Jesus says you spend your time with all your relationships, but especially in your family, doing good things for the other people in your family, whether they ever reciprocate that. That's what we're called to do, to give grace 
when we recognize the amount of grace and forgiveness that God has given us for all the different things we've done in our lives, it's amazing. That's why we sing that song, Amazing Grace. It's incredible. That's the same kind of grace that, that Jesus says you need to be given to each other. Yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they treated me. You're right. I don't. I'm only going on what Jesus said here. You do to others what you wish they were doing to you, whether they ever do or not. It'll take our families to the next level if we do that. I need to wrap up. I've been talking for a while this morning. I appreciate your patience and your attention. I, I want to say this as I'm wrapping up this morning. We talked about a lot of different things, but I, I do want to make clear, if there, is, if there is abuse going on in your family, whether it's physical, whether it's sexual, whether it's emotional, if there's an abusive situation, you need to get help. That may be counseling, that may be contacting authorities, that may be starting a conversation with someone in our church family and us helping you find help. But you need to be safe. And you need to be in a healthy environment. And, and we'll help do that if we can. And some of these principles that I've shared with you are going to take a whole lot more work if you're in an abusive situation. Having said that, let's look at the list one more time. When you look at the list, you can look at that and go, man, that's a, that's a lot. I got a lot of work to do. There's no way that any family, that any person can do all these perfectly all at once. So look at the list. Look at the list that you wrote down. Look at it up on the screen. What's the one thing you can start working on this week? Pick one. What can I do differently this week? Can I stop reacting? Can I stop assuming that I just know it all? Can I start spending more time? What can I do? What one thing can I do this week and maybe for the next couple weeks? And then pick another one. I'm getting better at this. Now I want to work on this too. That's going to help take our families to the next level. Maybe that's the talk that you need to have with your family today. What, which one of these are we going to work on? Which one of these, here's a humbling thing, which one of these family do you think I need to work on? It's a start. It'll start taking us to the next level if we'll start doing it. In, back to the game Donkey Kong. Mario's jumping over all these barrels and, and hitting them with a hammer, and eventually he gets hit by a barrel. And what happens? He goes back to the bottom and starts over again, right? He got so many lives, but he gets to start over. He gets to do over. And then, if you're fortunate enough to have a few quarters in your pocket, once you use up all those lives, what do you get to do? Feed another quarter into the machine and what? Start over. I want to remind you of that as we wrap up this morning. Your family, whatever level it is, is not beyond hope. Could there be things that, are, are there things that could be better? Sure. Are there things that I might need to improve on? Sure. Are there mistakes that I'm going to make moving forward? Absolutely. Barrels are going to keep coming. When you get hit by the barrel, when the obstacle comes and you don't make it over it, don't quit. Don't quit on yourself. Don't quit on your family. Put the quarter in and start over. 
talk to the Father about it and get a brand new start. That's what God offers. Brand new starts. He makes everything new. And he wants to do that for you. Whether that's you personally or your family. And this church family wants to help you get a brand new start if you need one. And so we're going to stand together here in just a second. And we're going to sing a song together. And while we're singing, you are welcome to walk to the front here and share with us, this is what's going on in my life, or this is what's going on in my family. And, and I need a do-over. I need to start over. I need to improve. There is no judgment here. You are surrounded by a whole bunch of people who have made mistakes and will continue to make them. And we'll do whatever we can to help you get over whatever the obstacle is in your life right now. You just need to let us know how we can help. While together we stand and sing.